Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello! We are here in person together. We're using the same mic. We're touching each other. Not like that. (laughs) (laughs) So last week we talked about episodes 9 through 12 of Stargate Infinity, as fun as ever. And the week before that, we wrapped up season 2 of SG-1, so now it's time to dive into season 3. So we're going to be talking about episodes 1 and 2, Into the Fire and Seth. Into the Fire premiered on June 25th, 1999, was written by Brad Wright and directed by Martin Wood. And Seth premiered on July 2nd, 1999, was written by Jonathan Glasner and directed by Bill Kokorin. So Into the Fire wraps up the cliffhanger from the season two finale, and Seth is a fun trip. (laughs) Arcee, would you please summarize? Okay, so Into the Fire, like Chelsea said, wraps up the season two finale. It's pretty straightforward. They're just stopping Hathor. They're stopping her people. Sam and Jack have a moment. It was fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's like super straightforward. They just kind of establish that this threat is over. They keep saying Apophis is dead. I don't believe them. And yeah, they're just kind of... As far as like wrap ups went, it was pretty, pretty, I said straightforward already, but like not as involved as I would have expected. Mm. But honestly, it was a bit of a relief. Seth introduces us not only to a new god, but also, where was I going with this? Not only a new god, but also like he's got fabulous hair, um, (laughs) terrible dress sense. And it's basically the team finds out that the, Egyptian god Seth, who goes by a few other names, is still alive. He's been hiding out on Earth since the time of ancient Egypt, and now he's running a cult in the woods in Vancouver. I mean, Seattle. <laughs> so, yeah, they just gotta go stop him. Yeah, they gotta. Yeah, that They gotta. Yeah, And that's the end of that. <laughs> okay, let's do our quote reveal. Two weeks ago, I gave you the quote. What exactly did he mean by threading the needle? And your guess was that Sam was talking about something Daniel told her and Jack about some way to get out of their current situation. And no, it was General Hammond. Yeah. <laughs> I got to start including him in these. I never think of him as being the one to talk. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, cause I'm, I've said from the beginning, the four members of SG-1 and General Hammond. Yeah, I know. I just, I feel like I don't have as good a handle on Hammond as I do on everybody else. Right. So. I feel like we should include... Uh, Dr. Frazier in that as well. Eh. Do you think that's too much? Too it's much not that it's too much. It's that I, she rarely says things that are like... Well, now that I've said it, I feel like I'm issuing a challenge, but I feel like she rarely says things that would like throw me off. I feel like that's obviously Dr. Frazier. Hmm. Okay, maybe, you know what? Maybe include her. Maybe see if I can uh, put my money where my mouth is. Okay. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Opening up to six possibilities. I just feel like with General Hammond, unless it's something explicitly yeehaw, I don't think it's him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, now that he likes to say snapped on the ass. Yeah. So (laughs) he has some weird turns of phrases. Redacted thoughts (laughs) going through my head. Um. (laughs) Okay. So picking up with this cliffhanger, uh, luckily the Tok'ra came through big time on this one because they have the spy inside of Hathor's base. Mm-hmm. And also they were able to get the information about where this base was to the SGC so that they can formulate a rescue plan. And Hammond like is like our lovable dad who was just like, I'm going to do anything <laughs> to get my kids back. And Major Davis is like, um, excuse me. That is not an appropriate use of resources. The protocols, General Hammond. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, he, so he, Hammond sends four SG units to go rescue them, which ends up not being enough. Because but, it never is. Well, it's like there's times when they only send SG-1 and I'm like, they definitely should have sent more. But then this time they actually did send more and it still wasn't enough. However many they send, they need to send three more. Right. <laughs> Whether it's one or ten, yeah. however many they send, they need to have sent three more. It's never enough. And so after we hear from Hammond, then we finally cut to SG-1 in Hathor's base. And Hathor is still talking to them, like threatening them, like, ooh, who am I going to make into a ghoul? And then Jack volunteers his tribute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is Katniss. Yes, he is. <laughs> But first, Hanyor, 
Hanyor. <laughs> Thor. I don't know where that came from. That's their <laughs> ship name. Hathor and Daniel? Hanyor. <laughs> well, Hathor definitely ships Hanyor because she was like, my beloved, would you like to be my rule? Basically. And, and, and it's yeah. like, girl, get over it. She was basically like, hey, do you remember the trauma that I put you through? And he's like, yeah, I do. I Let's not do that again. Yeah. And so she moves on. I'm like, okay, well, you know. I mean, okay. <laughs> I feel like she moves on in the moment, but she's like, we're not done here. Because <laughs> I don't I don't think she suddenly decided to respect Daniel's, like, bodily autonomy. No. <laughs> but then when Jack volunteers, she's like, all right. I mean, yeah, because then she can do other stuff with Daniel. Yeah. I don't think she's let it go. No. But Jack volunteers and it's very sexy of him. <laughs> And Hathor also reveals that a gold can willingly put their host through a lot of pain, which was interesting. And not surprising at all. No, not surprising at all. But yeah, Jack like just rolls with it and he's like already using the royal we as if he's a gold now when he's talking. He's like, we would not be okay with that. It's just, <laughs> I can't. It doesn't matter what he does. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Everything. Everything he does. <laughs> I'm obsessed with him. And so then we learn that um, apparently cryogenic chambers can kill gold. And I feel like I have questions about this. Okay. Well, so Jack gets infected with a gold. <laughs> and the Tok'ra spy puts him in the cryogenic chamber and says that because he's not blended yet, the gold will die. But I'm like, would the gold die if he was blended? Or if it's just because it's unblended. I don't know. That was unclear. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm thinking maybe just because they were unblended. Yeah, because like if they're if they're symbiotes, like we always think about the gold as helping their host and healing their host and kind mm -hmm. of like maintaining their host, but they, they obviously get something out of it. So if they were blended, the human's capability to survive cryogenic freezing would probably help the right. help the worm yeah whereas because there's still two separate entities right the gold worm entity on its own can't survive the cryogenic process that's what that i tracks yeah that makes sense which is probably why the spy was like time is of the essence like right. we gotta <laughs> yeah gotta kill the parasite she really did everything that she could to delay it like she first used the zat gun mm -hmm. on jack and the and the pair and the symbiote in order to delay him getting implanted in the first place. And then it was like, okay, like stat to the cryogenic chamber. So, I mean, she really did everything she could. I got to hand it to her. Yeah, it's true. So then we see kind of like the outside area and they have a shield, which I think is technically going around the base, but I mean, it's like a two way shield so that it's simultaneously protecting the Stargate from people in the base from who aren't supposed to be leaving and they also have the teleportation rings up to the stargate platform and they have these huge gun turrets that just shoot up out of the ground i'm like there was no evidence of that on the ground before so that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> so hathor asks a lot of technology i mean she's like only the finest for my extra af yeah headquarters yeah i'm just wondering like uh, how long it if she had survived, like, how long it would have taken her to, like, get her Jaffa into new armor that represented her. Because she just had, like, Horus and Serpent Guards. Guess you know? one. I think that's, like, to her credit, one of those things where she's like, let's assure my seat of power first. Mm -hmm. And then we can worry about cosmetic changes. Right. And, like, rebranding them. And <laughs> yeah, like... like like, you know, like, what's his name? Henry the Eighth with the six <laughs> wives. Yeah. And, like, changing the queen's sigil after they were married. Mm. And, like, he wasn't married to Anacles long enough to actually change things over. So, it's one of those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just found it fascinating that there's just... Like, I mean, how, like, how did she amass so much really wealth so quickly? Because she has this huge, massive power generator to power the shield and, you know, these 
gun turrets and then she recreated the SGC. And so I'm just really impressed, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's always like, it's the thing with supervillains is that I never really question where their money comes from. That's true. I'm just like, you have it. Yeah. It's fine. But like, like we know they've come from another planet and they've amassed all this material wealth here. So it is a very valid question. It's just not something I've ever thought about, which makes me wonder if it's not something the writers are thinking about either. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess from their perspective, it's like, okay, well, she has this chemical in which she can, you know, seduce anybody to her whim. And so it's probably pretty reasonable that she can get people over to her power pretty quickly. And then she can just tell them, oh, hey, go steal this stuff for me. So she's probably just like stealing from other like world bases from right. time to time. Yeah. But, that tracks. I wouldn't put it past her. No. I part of me wishes that they hadn't killed her in this episode. No, I'm glad they killed her. I'm over it. <laughs> but she's so cool. I know, but she ruined a moment for me. So Oh, that's fair. <laughs> so and it is interesting too that like she's aware of how she needs to keep amassing power because whenever there's sg teams that she's trying to capture she's like don't kill them i'm going to make them into jaffa mm -hmm. so it's like thinking long term yeah which is smart like yeah. maybe that's how she amassed money it's the same sort of long long-term thinking yeah I mean, definitely the foresight that apophis lacks right well you know well men, men. <laughs> <laughs> we just girl bossed Hathor. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather her be the one in power than one of the dudes. Yeah. That's true. She's a more compelling character, I feel like. That's true. She's more interesting. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Teal'c has gone back to Tulak. In the most dramatic robes he owns. <laughs> yeah. And even though he's really just going there to get people to help him rescue SG-1. That's not the reasoning he uses. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because it's like, why would they care about SG-1? But it's like, this is his first opportunity to try to convince other people, other Jaffa, that the gold are not gods. Right. And that they should not follow them anymore. And so this will be a recurring theme. Okay. Trying to recruit other Jaffa away from the gold. I liked this. His wife lives on Chulak, right? No, no, she went to the Land of Light. Right, yes, okay. So, okay, never mind. Putting that aside. I like that he goes to talk to this one chick where mm -hmm. he tells her, like, to amass everybody. He's going to go to Braytac's house and he's going to tell everyone what's going on. And mm -hmm. the way she is having this, like, visceral reaction at him mm -hmm. was surprising because I thought we must know who she is. No. If she's being, if, if she's giving the most like this yeah and we don't which first of all makes me wonder why second of all makes me wonder if they had written this part for his wife and then remembered she's not there anymore and just had to really quickly recast it i don't think so because this random woman was totally opposed to teal'c whereas he had made up with his wife already okay so i'm like why are you talking like we know who you are but i felt it was more just like he left Braytac's house and was like, I'm just going to start talking to the first people I see. And mm. she happened to be in the group. And he, like, punched the uh, the guys who were there and was like, if you don't want me to punch you, you're going to go tell people I'm here. So she's a background performer just really earning her keep that day. Yeah. I mean, good for her. Yeah, honestly, girl, get that coin. Yeah. Um. I think it's Braytac he's having this conversation with where he's like, Apophis is dead and I wanted, I was hoping we would rejoice. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're all a little too comfortable with the idea that Apophis is dead. <laughs> I feel well, like we're not nervous enough. Certain, well, certainly the Jaffa and Chulak are nervous because they're not totally convinced he's dead in the first place because they haven't seen the body. I think they're right. And also the fact that Chlorel is still out there somewhere. Mm -hmm. And he could come back and reclaim his father's kingdom at any time. They are right to worry. The SGC is too calm. Okay. You can't tell me. I know. But I'm just <laughs> saying. 
Yeah, I mean, I un I totally understand like the Tifa not being willing to rock the boat and just you know keeping the status quo because they don't know. I mean, Chulak is so well known, mm -hmm. you know, as Pothis's home world. Like maybe not even Chlorel, but maybe another Gwawul will come and claim the territory. So unless they go somewhere else, then they're going to be in danger of getting taken over. And you know, why would they uproot their home? Because I mean, there's thousands and thousands of people on this planet right know? so why would they all just leave yeah you know so i think in the end tilk recruits for jaffa okay i'm like well i feel like those are people that are just like fodder <laughs> to be like i don't think any of them ended up being killed which was nice i was expecting at least two of them to die as part of like you know somebody needs to die in a battle but it can't be the main team kind of thing right so they're like the red shirts, but I don't think they did die. At least not that I remember. Yeah, I think they were okay. And so um, when Teal'c is talking to these random Jaffa, and he's like, who's going to stay with me? It turns out Hammond is in the crowd. That was so cute, and he <laughs> was wearing robes. <laughs> and okay, I know, I know I'm being silly, but I was looking at Hammond going, there's something wrong with him. And then I realized... He is wearing the same robes as Teal. He's also yeah. bald. And I'm like, where's this little head thing? And I'm like, right. <laughs> that's not a thing. No. That's they should have given him one. <laughs> like a cute little, like. Teal was peeling off in this episode, which I thought was funny. Really? Either this episode or the second, um, you can kind of see it lifting in the corner. Oh, no. <laughs> like it wasn't fully stuck to his head. Oh, no. <laughs> I did not catch that. It was the next one. It was the next one because now I remember the scene it was in. Okay. So I'll point it out when we get there. But okay. they should have given Hammond one. <laughs> but yeah, so cute. Like Braytax sees him and he's like, Hammond of Texas. And he does this like little gesture to indicate like his bald head. But it's like cute. it's like it's like it's... affectionate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. It was very cute. Yeah. I like I like their uh like the dads being yeah. friends. Yeah. Their little dad club. Yep, for sure. And then we go back to Hathor's base. So Sam finds Jack and wakes him up from the cryogenic chamber, and they're like, "They hugging. okay? The no, they <laughs> hugging doesn't do justice because he gets out of the cryo thing and he's shaking because he's cold, and they just embrace so passionately. But they, they look at each other for a beat, where I'm like, "They're gonna kiss." They're going to kiss. And you were watching me have a meltdown. I'm like, this is it. This is where it happens. They're going to kiss. And they don't kiss. And they're just hugging for a really long time. Yeah, at least two minutes. And they're like updating each other on like life and the plan <laughs> while embracing. And I'm like, okay, now you're going to kiss. And then the spy who was like dead against the wall decides to come back to life to give a bit of plot exposition. And I'm like, we're really not going back now. Like they're not kissing now. And then Hathor shows up <laughs> and ruins the moment. Yep. She's got to ruin it. And then she attacks Sam, right? She attacks Sam. When did she the feminism leave my body? I don't remember. I just remember you saying that. Yeah, I know. Because like, she like attacked oh, Sam or something. I remember why you said that. It's because I know it's because Jack like attacked her. He like, like, like knocked her to the ground. Yeah, Hathor tried to attack them. And then Jack like knocked her over and yeeted her into the cryogenic chamber thing oh no i know what it was it's because she was attacking sam first and sam was fighting back right and i'm it's like, kind of like a yeah you go girl moment but like but I, I know it's not awesome to love that the lady needs to be saved and sam is not this kind of person but also jack saved her. jack needed to save sam and all of the feminism left my body yeah just all of it yeah yeah, and so you like you were laughing, and then he yeeted her, and then you were like, "Bye." <laughs> Just cackling. I do not miss her at all. I'm so glad she's gone. No disrespect to the actress; she does a great job. But yeah, um, yeah. bye, Hathor. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hathor was like, "Hey, I'm the love goddess. Nobody's gonna be making out <laughs> if it's not me, and nobody does make out." Yeah, because. I can't recall a ship ever torturing me like this. <laughs> right? Yeah, just casual torture. 
Yeah. I well, can't... I mean, your ultimate ship torture is Raylo, obviously. Yeah, but that's a but... whole other level of pain. <laughs> yeah. That's pain for a different reason. Yeah. I think that's also what led me to think they were going to kiss when he got out of the cryo chamber, because that's what happened with Raylo, was they were both like, they had just come out of a fight, and they were both like shaking, and the adrenaline was right. there, and then they're like, let's just go for <laughs> it, man. I can't believe we're going to live the rest of our lives together. And that's exactly what happened. So... <laughs> It's canon. They it's kissed. canon. They kissed and the movie just abruptly ended. So that's, I think that's where I thought that's where my assumption about no. Sam and Jack came from. Yeah. Well, so. we can just make this canon. It's canon. Sure. They kiss. Jack and Sam I can't kiss. believe it's they fine. kiss. It's, it's, yeah, it totally happened. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I wrote down Jack is cold and Sam can warm him up. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we go back to Chulak, and Braytac reveals that he hit his little flying ship 100 years ago. And I'm like, why do you think it's still going to fly? I guess if you can live as long as they do, their tech lasts longer. I I don't know. That that doesn't really track, but. I don't know. He's like, he's like, he's like the guy who won't throw out his classic car. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, well, I mean, good for you. Apparently, it does still work. And very well at that. Yeah. And Tilk is like, they don't make them like they once did. <laughs> Which is an old Jaffa saying. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Mm, okay. Which I did tell Chelsea in the moment um, made me think of, for those of you who watch Star Trek, the bits where the Klingons claim that William Shakespeare was a Klingon, it made me think of that. <laughs> if you know, you know. Hmm. I don't know. I'll take your word for it. It's one of the movies, I think. Okay. Okay, so we've kind of got like a back and forth going on, going back to Hathor's planet. And I kind of just noted that Daniel is like not really doing anything in this episode. He's hiding from Hathor. He has like literally five lines the whole episode. Maybe he was tired. I mean, he did have a gash in his leg, apparently. So he's, like, limping. (laughs) It rendered him speechless. (laughs) Apparently. He just didn't have much to say. He didn't want to contribute. He didn't want to get in the way of Sam and Jack, which is something Hathor couldn't manage. Right. Yeah. So Daniel and Carl Makepeace and the rest of them get captured. But Sam and Jack are okay for now. And they go to confront the people at the Stargate. And of course, Jack gets sassy. He's supposed to be pretending to be a ghoul, but immediately drops that act in favor of being sassy. Because that's what he does. You know, that's his thing. And so as soon as the Stargate starts dialing for an incoming wormhole, then Sam blows up the C4 for the power generator, which makes the shield go down. And so then we can have a rescue. Yeah. It's very clean. Very clean cut. Very yeah. straightforward this episode. Yeah. Like there's very... a problem. We solved it. Yeah. Somebody's in the way. We throw her into the cryo chamber. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's got an enemy. We blow them up. Very yeah. easy. Very straightforward. Yeah. So Teal'c and Hammond are in the ship that Braytac had. They come through and they shoot down the two gun turrets. And Hammond has his like iconic line. Yeah. <laughs> and Teal'c is just like, what? He does his little eyebrow raise, but he's like smiling too. <laughs> but he's like, he's like skeptical, but like in a cute way. I, I wonder if Teal thinks that Yeehaw is like a war cry. I mean, it basically you know? is. I mean, it kind of is. Yeah, Yeehaw, I would say Yeehaw is a war crime. War crime. <laughs> war cry. <laughs> Not a war crime. It's a war crime. Just say this phrase. <laughs> a war cry. Okay. It's been a long day, y'all. If it's a war crime to say yeehaw, then a lot of people in Texas are in trouble. I'm sorry, Texas. I didn't mean it. It's a war cry, not a war crime. It's okay. We'll survive. Okay. <laughs> so then Braytag and the other Jaffa come through the Stargate and they help finish everybody else off. Hooray! Yeah. That was, um, that was pretty... Pretty straightforward? Yeah. Easy peasy? 
Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Yeah. And it's like, I I thought Sam was going to say something because she saw General Hammond come out of the ship and was like surprised. But she just smiled. She's like pleasantly surprised, but she's like, I knew he would. I knew he wouldn't leave us. I knew he'd come get us. (laughs) And she's happy to just leave it at that. Yeah. That's true. She's got a, she's mostly concentrating on how she's going to help Jack warm up. Exactly. As she should. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Anything else about this episode? No. Okay, so moving on to Seth. Setek. Setesh. Set. Seth. <laughs> so the Tok'ra actually need their help, which is nice. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see the Tok'ra like humbling themselves whenever possible because they seem to have really big egos for the most part. Well, yeah. <laughs> so when they actually like need help from the SGC, it's like, okay. I like that um, he brought the little hologram thing um, Sam's dad did Yeah, and projects his hologram and both Sam and Daniel are like whoa (laughs) because Sam's excited about the actual projector and Daniel's excited about what it's projecting yeah it was so cute and like Jack doesn't care yeah he's bored he well he was trying to look underneath the holographic projection to see like what was projecting it exactly yeah but like <laughs> he wasn't like nerding out the way the other two were no i just thought that was funny that they're both like whoa but then when they express what they're excited about they're like no no no, no that's not the exciting part <laughs> yeah it's this other thing so the hologram is displaying, well, it's an Egyptian pyramid and it has the symbols of different gold on it. So the Tok'ra are doing a census, basically, trying to figure out which gold are still alive and where they are, what kind of power they hold, who's loyal to them. And I think we'll see this kind of continue in next week's podcast because we kind of learn more about the system lords. Okay. So we'll be continuing this theme soon. All right. And so that's when we learned that the Tok'ra think that perhaps Seth never left Earth. Because <gasps> Ra left when there was the big uprising. And Seth just uh, chilled out. And started away. cults. Yeah. Left, right, and center. Yeah. Throughout different periods of time, he started cults and then... It'd go for a little while, and then it'd get overthrown by the powers that be at the time, and it'd start anew. Yeah. So, you know, good for him, I guess. <laughs> good for him? <laughs> yeah, he really girl-bossed his way into the cult life. <laughs> yeah, he's very resilient. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. So he's a god of chaos, mm-hmm. Seth is. He also has nice hair. <laughs> this is not relevant, but... I thought I should mention I feel it. like it was very 90s hair. It was very 90s hair, but I'm a 90s kid, so like I got a, something for that. Like a ghost aging, aging rocker, shaggy yeah, haircut. That's true. He did look like an aging rocker. That that yeah. is, that perfectly because he like had some leather, but not like all leather. Okay, so he has this cult in the woods in Vancouver <laughs> in a house, and they're all wearing a cross between like linen pajamas and a karate uniform. Yeah. Um, which he's also wearing. Yeah. But over top this, he's wearing a long leather jacket. Yeah. Which was a choice. <laughs> I liked the leather with the linen shirt. I just feel like having it be like a long linen tunic with baggy pants and sandals was kind of killing the leather look. Yeah. And they really they really should have leaned into the rock star of it all. Right. I think so too. Because if he's supposed to be the kind of god that has a like magnetism to sort of mm-hmm. have these cults follow him throughout the centuries i mean that's what a rock star is right so i think they they were like halfway there yeah but he was also wearing his cult pajamas like he should have just yeah you know, not done that should have had some leather pants on yeah that leather pants or like torn jeans or something you know yeah. boots i mean he had a throne that was all bejeweled so that yeah like that nice. was the right idea yeah but then nothing else in the house looked like that. It was pretty plain. Well, like, I thought that made sense. Like, the throne travels with him, but the house is just, like, whatever he could occupy. Yeah, that's true. It's literally just his look that I didn't think worked. Yeah. 
So how do they get to this house, Chelsea? Oh, I need to go back and recap everything. Yeah, we jumped way far ahead. <laughs> I'm like, let's, uh, let's backpedal just for a second. Okay. So Daniel does a bunch of research, and he's the one who's able to figure out that Seth is in a forest outside of Seattle. Mm-hmm. And we see that he still has a picture of Charay framed next to his computer. Which, okay, up till now, I was like out of sight, out of, out of, sight, out of mind. And I'm like, I don't love it, but I do get it. If she's not out of sight, there is no excuse. Yeah. No excuse whatsoever, Daniel. She should not be out of mind. Mm-mm. So, yeah, I didn't count Also, how did as... he take a picture of her? I mean, he had a video camera on Abydos. He just screenshotted it. Yeah, I guess so. All right. I'll <laughs> buy it. But I don't think that counts as her being represented in this episode necessarily because no, he doesn't, doesn't actually like mention her. He doesn't talk about her. Also, I didn't notice it was a picture of Sheree until you pointed it. No. Pointed it out to me. There was so. also a picture of Daniel on a camel in front of a pyramid in Giza. Not so. with his wife because no. he lives his life without her. <laughs> and I was wondering if that like was a real picture of Michael Shanks in front in Giza, maybe or if they like photoshopped it or something. I mean, maybe. <laughs> so they're talking about Seth, and Teal says that he has a joke about <laughs> Seth. So yeah, he says that Seth's um, the animal that's like Seth's sigil Mm -hmm. he's like the jaffa have many jokes about them so they're probably extinct and jack is rightly like the like jaffa jokes Mm -hmm. so teal tells his joke (laughs) and this is the scene where it looks like his forehead thing is peeling off and um oh okay he tells his joke it's obviously not funny but he thinks it's very funny yeah it's probably funny like you know the context the humor is lost in translation yeah but he's laughing really hard (laughs) and he's looking at them all so expectantly it kind of broke my heart a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was so sad. He was so disappointed that nobody laughed. Yeah. Poor baby. He's never going to make a joke again. Yeah. He, like, thinks he has a handle on humans' humor, and it just falls flat. All they do is disappoint. He's like, listen, the Jaffa are funnier. That's true. I don't know why you don't see that. <laughs> and Jacob is genuinely surprised that daniel figured out exactly where he was <laughs> jacob like me has no faith whatsoever in daniel's <laughs> abilities i think jacob probably expected to find that seth died like a thousand years ago something like that right and didn't expect him to actually still be alive he thought it'd be like oh Let's just find out when and where exactly he died on Earth. And we could put that in our records and call it a day. And it's like, oh, no, he's actually still here. Right. Still Colton. So they go outside of Seattle, Mm -hmm. small town. The sheriff shows them where the compound is. And there is this guy there who's like been camped out because his son is inside and he's trying to save his son. And really, I feel like the, this guy's main purpose is to make Jacob think about his own relationship with his son and how yeah. they've been estranged for years. And this is like when I was telling you before about how, you know, in the previous season, Jacob was dying. And it's really weird. Like, they obviously, like, retcon in that there's also a son. Right. <laughs> because he was not mentioned when Jacob was dying at all. This is the first time that Mark is mentioned. And they talked about him <laughs> off camera. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, right. Okay, so Sam has a brother, apparently. <laughs> Who just didn't want to be around for his dying father. Right. Great guy. He sounds really great. Stand-up man. I guess you could argue that he may not have known because Sam said that he didn't answer her calls. Still. Yeah. Still. So, like, Mark hates Jacob and just chooses not to talk to Sam either because they're besties or whatever. Because she reminds him too much of his father. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. They're both in the Air Force, so... Mark's got daddy issues. Apparently. 
But he is the dad himself, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he's got daddy issues. Yeah, I guess. So SG-1 is outside this compound, and it turns out that the ATF has been watching the compound for a while, and they've been trying to put together a game plan. And so, of course, they don't want SG-1 to take over. Like, the military has no authority here. And so Jack arranges for the President of the United States to personally call this ATF agent. That whole exchange where the guy was like, oh, the president just called. And Jack's like, and what did he say? I'm like, you're enjoying this way too much. Yeah. Like way too much. I'm also wondering on the likelihood of like the president himself calling. Well, I guess the idea is that it's that important because it's like an alien. But I think if it was me, I'd be like, you're pranking me you know like prove oh right that... like from per- from the perspective of the guy getting the call yeah like i'd be like nah <laughs> like who are you really <laughs> that's true that's true i'd be suspicious too yeah like how you prove that you're the president of the united states over the phone i don't know i mean i guess maybe it's just the fact that it was a secure phone line and it couldn't receive calls from just anybody yeah, it's possible. Or maybe there was like a dispatcher on the line who was like call incoming from the president <laughs> of the United States. <laughs> what a phone call. Damn. <laughs> but I mean, the ATF guy, he didn't, he was annoyed by not being able to be in charge, but they did eventually save the day. And so, I mean, like, obviously, yes, she knew what they were doing. Also, he, like, I know he was annoyed at not being in charge, but he did go down, like, pretty easy. Yeah. Which I was surprised by. Jack just had to, like, pet his ego a little bit and, like, pretend to give him important information. But I thought that was going to escalate, like, because Jack tells him, like, you know, they have a weapon in there that we don't want, like, the public to be aware of yet, blah, blah, blah. And I thought that was going to backfire in a big way. Mm. So I kept waiting for that to happen, and it didn't. Maybe... This guy kind of spied some of the Gould technology when it was being taken out of the compound later. I didn't mean like later. I meant like before they got in. Oh, okay. I thought that was going to like blow up in Jack's face somehow. Hmm. Well, no. Yeah. It didn't luckily for them. It went pretty smoothly. Yeah. <laughs> They're having some good luck in these episodes. So they are, they know that Seth has a similar chemical compound to Hathor um, where it's like, you know, a gas compound that you breathe it in and you can be easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. So you can, you're subject to brainwashing and that's what Ryak had done to him. And Ryak was able to be saved by having electrical current put through his body via the sat gun. And so they're like, okay, well we need to go into this compound. We're afraid of getting compromised so Sam comes up with having an earpiece that acts as a, well, I mean, it, it is kind of a, a micro, they do have microphones on, but that might be a separate piece. I feel like it's a separate piece because this is like just to send a current to their system. Right. Because they couldn't hear anything that Teal was saying. No, they could just hear out. So an earpiece that could deliver an electrical charge and then I guess separate microphones. I assume. Yeah. So they infiltrate the base and Daniel's like telling them like what to expect when they get in there because it's like, okay, the women become part of the harem, which is not surprising. Of course, because that's always the default. (laughs) And the men are either warriors outside the compound or eunuchs inside the compound. And it is interesting to note that when Seth does knock them out, neither Jack nor Daniel are sent outside. No. I'm just saying. I mean, they were playing with guns, so maybe they were made they the were, warriors yeah. anyway, but yeah. I just thought that was funny at first. I'm like, oh. I, I feel like they were kind of preparing weapons to take outside. Okay, so they got to keep... keep. Yeah, I mean, Seth was like, these the are bits. like military men, so they know how to use guns. Like, might as well. Yeah, I might as well use them outside. outside. So the harem was very small. 
Like yeah. four white women. Yeah. Oh no, that's not true. There was a black woman there. Oh yeah, yeah. I will say it is very sus that this Egyptian god is a white man. I know, I know. It's the nineties, but well, you know, if he's been on Earth for a thousand years or whatever, it's possible he's gotten a new host. That's true. That's true. It's not a thousand-year-old body because I didn't even he think also of that. doesn't have a sarcophagus, as far as we know. So in that case, he probably needs a new host like every hundred years. I didn't even think of that. I think it's just because like Apophis is so consistently like Egyptian looking. Egyptian looking that yeah. I had just. But he has complete- a sarcophagus. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten that they would need to change hosts. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, never mind. I, I retract my complaint. So yeah, I mean, if he was gonna like, because there was a time when he was in Greece, so he probably wasn't a Greek guy back now then. Now he's in an American aging rock star. Yeah. You know. You know. Yeah, I never thought about that before, but I think that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. So they get turned when they get they get caught by cess people and they have the drug used on them. What is the drug called again? I wrote it down. Nishta. Nishta? I think Nishta. Nishta. So they have the Nishta sprayed onto their faces, so they're drugged. And Jacob is like, we have to wait an hour before we zap them because if the chemical compound has not totally permeated their body, then it could still come back Mm -hmm. and reinfect them. But if they get it... Well, so now that they have the Nishta in their body once and they've overcome it, that means that from now on, any mission they go on, they'll never be susceptible to this chemical again. That's good. It's helpful. I bet they try it on them. And it makes me wonder if Seth knows how to make it or if he just had a huge stockpile of it that he's still using. I imagine he knew how to make it because in the early days, I don't think he would have been particularly careful with it. Mm. And it's, um, and then like probably hit a point where he didn't have a ton. So he like learned how to make it so he could just use it as needed. Right. That's what I think happened. And I was also wondering that about all of his, um, like ammunition and stuff because he has several dozens at Nicotel's and a lot of those kind of like grenade type thing with the gold style grenades. Yeah. And I'm like, has he just been holding on to those for thousands of years or does he have some way to produce? Maybe he's been stockpiling. Yeah. He like, when Ra was overthrown, he like raided a bunch of <laughs> temples <laughs> and took stuff. all of Ra's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, how many Gwold were active, like, at the time that Ra left Earth. I mean, I, I mean, I guess it must have only been, like, Seth and then Hathor was, you know, kind of locked away on Earth, too. Yeah. But it makes me wonder if there were other Gwold who were on Earth at the time and also decided to leave when Ra left. Or if there was no one else there at the time to begin with. I don't know. No. I don't think we get that question answered. So So it's whatever you want it to be. Yep. Pretty much. Sam and Jack also don't kiss in this one. <sighs> Unfortunately. I'm going to start a tally. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. What of all the times they almost kiss? No, of all the times I wanted them to kiss. That's literally every episode, though. Right. I'm not actually going to do that. <laughs> It's exhausting. Yeah, I mean, even in the alternate reality, they didn't kiss. So, they, I'm still mad about that. Um, we only had one non-consensual kiss, which I don't count. Right, nobody consented. No. And I was thinking, when they're sprayed with the snishta and they're like walking around or whatever, I feel like Jack was kind of resisting it a little bit, just like his facial expressions. He seemed to be like more confused than compliant. And he looked defiant when Seth had them reciting the like Seth is love, Seth is life, or whatever. Yeah. Um, like Sam went right away, which I'm oh, like, yeah. I don't know what you're saying about women that Sam just like folded yeah. like a house of cards. So it was Sam who was like making hard eyes at him, and I'm like, Jack's behind you. <laughs> then Daniel, kind of like the second time Seth had them repeat the mantra, Daniel went along with it. Mm-hmm. But both of those times, Jack looked like angry, which made me think at first that like it hadn't taken. Mm-hmm. 
he still had his own mind and then he repeated it the third time and seemed to go along with it but yeah it just took a little bit more time but why him well we kind of see throughout the seasons that there are other instances where he's more able to resist mind control than anybody else wondering how much of that is like a character thing and how much of it is richard dean anderson being like nah (laughs) i'm not doing that I think it's a character thing, just because it does come up in completely different situations, dealing with mind control. Fair enough. I think think at some point there's like a joke made about the simplicity of his mind, like being resistant, but that doesn't make any sense. No, none whatsoever. I feel like it's the opposite. Exactly. So, I don't know. Yeah, he's just strong of will. There we go. Hmm. And so, meanwhile, Teal'c and Jacob are monitoring the situation and talking about family. And Teal'c is like, because they're talking about that guy who whose son is in the compound. And Teal'c is like, I don't understand. Do fathers on Earth not unconditionally love their sons or whatever? <laughs> and Jacob is like, eh, it's complicated. <laughs> and... I'm like, you know, that is a good question to ask, I guess. But at the same time, Tilk has not been the best father. No. Like, his son, like, he abandoned his family. I mean, I don't say he abandoned his family, but he didn't go back for his family for an entire year after he left Tulak initially. And then... Even after he got his family away from Tulak, it's like, okay, they're living in the land of light. They're not living on Earth. Right. So it's like, I mean, he can go spend weekends with them. Maybe he does. But it's like, you don't seem super present for your son's life. So I'm not sure you're one to be talking about some other dad not talking to their son, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe he does go visit them. I mean, I'm sure there's some stuff that happens off camera, but I would hope. Yeah, I saw a a tweet from Christopher Judge recently Mm -hmm. that was talking about where Teal'c sends Dreyak and Ryak to the Land of Light, and he like goes with them to help get them established. So Christopher Judge was like hinting at how he thinks that he got some action i mean yeah have you seen him i mean what that wasn't the point um i think so yeah i think they still love each other it's just a question of yeah reality right yeah but i just thought it was so funny that like in christopher judge's mind like teal is definitely getting some action on the weekends i mean yeah i like i like that yeah reading of things yeah <laughs> So back in the compound, the three SG-1 members who are inside seem to be... So Seth kind of suspects them of something, and so Teal flips the switch, and they get their little electrical charges so that they are in control of themselves again. And Seth somehow knows that they're lying, which I was surprised about. Maybe he can see it in their eyes. Maybe. Because, I mean, a thousand years of cult leading, you know when someone's drinking your Kool-Aid and when they're not. That's true. That's probably why. Mm. But they use the moment to stage a coup, basically. So they go around. Well, I guess they get led out of the room by Tommy. Yeah. And they take his Zat gun and shoot him so that he's awake now. And they go get a bunch more Zat guns and come back. And let everyone else out. And start shooting all the other followers. And then there's, so there's one scene where Jack, Daniel, and Sam, all three have that gun, and they're all shooting this group of, like, eight or so followers who are tightly packed. And I'm like, how did none of them get shot twice? Magic. The magic of movies. <laughs> then you have three people shooting randomly at another eight people. Like, it's magic. <laughs> so they get all the people woken up, and... Seth conveniently throws off his leather cloak so that he looks like one of his followers, which I feel like he's done this before. 
Yeah, that's how he sneaks out of every bad situation. Because they always said, like, he leaves a trail of bodies behind and he's never been found and whatever. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's exactly how he does it. Yep, every single time. Uh So that's the the reason for his tunic and leather jacket look. Because he he knows the leather jacket looks cooler. But he also needs to be ready to flee. Okay, that explains it. I don't like it, but that explains it. (laughs) Yeah, at least there's a reason for it. Yeah. And so Seth almost escapes. They're like going out the tunnel and they finally find him and he's about to get away. And so Sam has to use the hand device. Is this hand device going to keep coming up? Because I think it's very funny that we've used it twice in a row. So it's going to gonna play like a really big part. Well, it's a very common device. Yeah. But I feel like it's going to start playing a bigger part. Because I feel like this is the first time I've really like noticed it. It comes up fairly often. Most of the time when there's a gold around. All right. Great. All hail the hand device. <laughs> and I was wondering, are all the hand devices made for the left hand? Because, you know, the thumb is in a certain place. Right. So it has to be for one specific hand. And Lefty both, power. Both the one that Sam had and the one that Seth had were both for the left hand. They are only made for the left hand. Left power. Apparently. Whoop. So. I don't know. Left, yeah. I, I'm here for lefty supremacy. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so Sam uses the hand device against Seth and uses it so forcefully that his body is pushed into a newly created divot in the ground. And Jack has never been more turned on. Right? <laughs> he was just looking at Sam like she hung the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and Daniel was like, you killed him and sam seemed conflicted on like whether or not she should be happy or sad about it because it's like well i mean he's the enemy but she did it when using a gold device so it's like weird i get that it's conflicting but like good for you sam yeah i don't think she did anything wrong no sam has never done anything wrong in her life like why is daniel being so judgy like that's what daniel does did you want to question him like what would you have questioned him about it's not like he has any current knowledge of other Gwold, you know? It Like, I know this isn't going to come up again, but I was going to like watch Daniel be like, we could have asked him about Sheree. And it's like, well, he's you been on Earth. First of all, he's been on Earth. Second of all, you didn't care five minutes ago. So relax. But I mean, he doesn't, I mean, it's really, he doesn't have any intel. He's yeah. been on Earth the whole time. So it's true. I mean, he wouldn't have done anybody any good. If they hadn't killed him, he probably would have ended up escaping whatever prison they put him in. And just start a new cult. Right. So Sam's actions were a net positive. Yeah, I think so. And when Jack sees that she killed him, he says, Hail Dorothy. (laughs) So we have another Wizard of Oz reference. I feel like Jack's favorite movie is Wizard of Oz. Probably. Because he quotes it a lot. He does quote it a lot. I think it's his favorite movie. (laughs) Maybe it was like his favorite movie as a kid growing up. No, it's still his favorite movie. (laughs) He watches it regularly. Yeah. Okay. So the day is saved. Tommy is reunited with his father. Everybody is happy. And so Jacob consents to going to see Mark trying to reconcile. And Mark looks very confused at first, but then he seems pretty happy about it. And he, like, welcomes them in and is, like, introducing Jacob to his daughter. So. It's a cute moment. Yeah. All's well that ends well. All's well that ends well. And here we are in season three. Yep. Firmly established. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like these were these are very like good like clean episodes in terms of like storytelling. Yeah, clean, clean story beats. Yep. Nice and neat villains. Mm-hmm. Easy yep. to follow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good reasoning. I don't think I've looked at your notes. At no, all. there's nothing. I'm, I'm done. I said everything. <laughs> you said everything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said everything I had to say. <laughs> Jack is your hero. Dramatic robes. Oh, you were commenting on how they just have one hallway set. They only, yeah, I swear some of their sets are recycled. I just think it's funny. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It's yeah. a long-running sci-fi show. Of course, the sets are recycled, but. Yeah. I don't, I feel like we haven't seen that particular texture, though. You just put some paper on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> paper on the wall. Like spray a quick spray paint job and call it a day. Put some rocks in the background. You know. 
Did you find anything problematic in these two episodes? Well, the fact that the guy was white, but you explained the sarcophagus. So, no. Okay. Do you think they hold up for a modern audience? I would say so. I think some of the, like, harem versus warrior stuff was a little regressive, but I think that was the idea. So Yeah, I think that was trying to paint him as a problematic leader. I mean, I think the suggestion that that that's what an ancient person would have thought is also a little simple, but again, like, what do you mean? I, I don't know. I have this sense that like, they're only too willing to paint like non Eurocentric cultures as like, well, the women are sex slaves and the men are warriors. And like, I'm certain that was true in some places, right. but I don't know that that was widely true, but I also don't know that Stargate SG one is the place to get into that nuance. Yeah, so for sure. So, yes, yeah, so this is just me nitpicking. Yes, it holds up for a modern audience. Yeah. <laughs> and luckily, we didn't have any more, like, well, I mean, I guess technically we didn't, like, lack of bodily autonomy in Hathor's episode. I mean, I guess Jack is infected by a cool parasite. But he did consent to it for everybody else's benefit. Yeah. As awful as that is. And it, so. he wasn't actually, like, taken over by it. Either. Yeah. He but, did volunteer his tribute. Yeah, he did volunteer Daniel was spared, which was good. Sam was spared. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it went okay. Yeah. Any other final thoughts? Nope. All right. Next week, we're going to be talking about episodes three and four, Fair Game and Legacy. And you're welcome to watch along with us. Are you ready for your next quote? To guess who said it and why? Yes. Okay. Your quote is, so we're going to let these ghouls just walk in here? Okay, context-wise, I think something's gone on and they need to bring these goals, whoever they are, into SG-1. So they're going to... The SGC, you mean? Yes, it's the SGC. So they're going to let them come in through the Stargate. Mm -hmm. Hence that they're just going to walk in here. I keep wanting to say it's Jack because he feels like the one who would take a pause like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let me just go with that. It's Jack baffled at... The plan to let some gold just walk in here. Okay. The SGC. Yeah. We'll find out next week. They're going to steal his Wizard of Oz VHS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he keeps that on base for those days. He's got one in his room. Right. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder, like, whether or not they all have personal rooms in case they need to sleep at the base, but then they can't possibly be enough rooms for every sgc member he's senior he has his own room i feel like it's just like there's a bunch of guest rooms that can be used as needed by anybody but then they have their lockers so maybe he has his vhs in his locker i was thinking it's like a there are places where you do like a rotating bunk so like several people share a room and then you all have a locker in a room then Mm. whenever you're on shift that's your room kind of thing Mm. so yes to, uh, to your point he keeps his vhs in his locker (laughs) and he's worried that the guelds will take it yeah i do wonder sometimes if general hammond has a permanent room because so much stuff happens in the middle of the night that he has to be there for i wonder if he just like like in the hathor episode when there was like a five-hour gap between when he sent those four rescue teams off and he decided to figure something else out to do i'm like i wonder if he like snuck off for a few hours of sleep well, that's yeah. what I'm thinking is like senior officers probably have their own room. And then the more juniors will share. We never see any evidence of SG-1 having their own personal rooms, though. But we don't see evidence that they don't. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I'm just thinking like there's only like so many rooms you can have on this space. Oh, it is 28 levels. So. It's just a 28-story hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> carved into a mountain <laughs> why not why not <laughs> they probably don't have wi-fi no i don't think so no that would be like against regulation well it's also 1999 like how widespread yeah. was wi-fi that's true they've <laughs> <laughs> got dial-up well you know like in modern times like you're not allowed to have cell phones in the base right so we got an AOL dial-up in there. So he needs his VHS because they can't have their own, like, outside entertainment, you know. Yeah. So he's just got his copy of Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay, that's it for today. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we'd love for you to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I'm at Arzu D2 on Instagram, Tumblr, and Hive. Forgot the name. All those social medias. That took me a second. As for the Geeky Waffle, you can find us on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are the Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. And we are on YouTube also at the Geeky Waffle. We are also at thegeekywaffle.com and patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon. Woohoo! Woo!